The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. Today's date is 11-8-2023. That's November 8th, 2023. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. And you can, if you're interested, you can listen online. Uh, if you know, not in the radio area, you can be driving, you can get on your phone, you can download Clubhouse. And uh, it's an app on the phone. And you can go there. And um, uh, you can list online by just uh, downloading that, registering. It's not a big deal. It's easy. It's free. And then look for Matt Slick as a name and search, and you can find me on there. Also, if you want, you can participate in our chat, and that's easy to do. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live, and in there, you can uh, check stuff out there as well. Not a big deal, but hey, it's a lot of fun, you know. So, uh, okay, let me check this out. Let's see. Get this right there. Trying to make it. All right. I got all these controls and things like that that I get to work on and for uh, video and capture and things like that while I'm on the show. And that's what I'm doing. Okay. So we have a few people coming in, different venues, and I'm hoping that... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you for reminding me of that, uh, Ernie. So if you would be so kind, would you please consider sub- uh, subscribing to our channels? Uh, Rumble is uh, a channel rumble you can just go to rumble forward slash i think it what is it just carm org type it in and uh let me know what the overall thing is we have match look live we have religion channels we have different things you got to subscribe to each one and we're not trying to overwhelm you but that's just how it is on rumble and you can also go to our youtube channel and that's carm videos c-a-r-m videos carm videos and you can uh do that we're putting videos up in both places the same videos in both places and um, yeah, there it is, rumble.com forward slash CARMORG, C-A-R-M-O-R-G, there you go. Also, I'm uh, just going to give you guys a heads up, we've, uh, we've got a tour going in April. We're going to um, Turkey, and then uh, Greece, and then Italy. We're going to, on the footsteps of Paul, it's an expensive trip, but uh, it's, it's a great, it's going to be a great trip. I've been to Israel, I've been to Turkey on these uh, trips and I'm, I feel perfectly safe going to Turkey and stuff like that. I've been there before not a big deal and we got a guy who goes all the time and he leads tours and it's just it's like well, yeah, let's just go you know? so if you're interested in that all you got to do is go check out bridgepaultour.com uh, all one word bridgepaultour.com and you can check it out there alright I think that is everything so, um, oh yeah, I want to give a heads up on something. I talked to uh, um, Luke Wayne last night. Now, I mentioned this uh, a while back, and I talked to him. Luke used to work with us at CARM. He's a great guy. And um, so Luke, uh, I'll give you a short version of this stuff. And there's a lot more details in a lot of different areas, but he really needs your prayers. He had to move on to another ministry in order to make more money uh, to you know to provide for his family. And that's a noble thing and no problem. And uh, we still love the guy. He's a great guy. 
his youngest, uh, his daughter, uh, Liz, Elizabeth, Liz, has got uh, some medical problems, um, hydrocephaly, and uh, they're going to have to have insurance, and they just happen to have a doctor. So I don't always understand the details outside of the uh, insurance that they have, where they have to go in order to have this rare and special surgery done. So they're meeting today to see if they can even get insurance for that. If they don't, he's got to pay out of pocket, and he's not a rich guy. So there's that, and there's other things related. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, he's got a blind wife, and he adopted some kids that's blind, and um, he's got a lot on his plate. So uh, I just give you the super short version of things. Uh, we talked for like an hour last night, but if you'd be willing to pray for him, just lift up Luke and the situation and ask God to be merciful to him uh, and the family of all that's, that's going on, all that's happening, because um, he certainly does need... Uh, our prayers. He needs our prayers. All right. And uh, so just please lift him up. And if you would, you pray for him and uh, his family and, you know, for miraculous healings and things like that. All right. All right. Why don't we just get on the air here with, uh, let's get to Alan from Virginia. Alan, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there. What do you got, big guy? So I called yesterday about the black Hebrew Israelite thing mm-hmm. and uh, just wanted to kind of continue the discussion if you wanted to. Okay. Um, do you want me to start off with, with the topic sure. or do you want to... Sure, go, go ahead. Um, the one I looked up, that Trinity table that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and man, this is a nice article. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I like it. You have a lot of information on here and then you know about how to sort stuff so where it makes it where someone doesn't want to go to sleep <laughs> you know like he's going to grasp and whatnot right right so. yeah there's a lot of information yeah. i i think i like to well i like to say i think i have the ability to take a lot of information and condense it down and make it easy to understand so that's what i want to do mm-hmm. yeah. All right it also helps that you link it um where if you click on it it doesn't just change, doesn't just force you to go to another page, but it just kind of gives you a little little uh, pop up kind of snippet of it. That's really useful. Okay, good. But um, but yeah. Or oh, sorry, if you were saying something. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. But yeah, I was just saying that's that's pretty useful, and I like this article. It's it definitely uh, will help with my apologetics. Well, good. Just remember, the Trinity is arrived at systematically. It's when they ask, what's the one verse? Where did Jesus teach the Trinity? It's the wrong question. It's, uh, you know, they'll believe he's a prophet. Where did Jesus teach he was a prophet? Where does it say that? That, you know, I am a prophet. They ask these questions that they know it's a, it's a, you know, the answer is not there in Scripture because they don't understand how these things work. And you have to correct them. You got to teach them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I talked to them about, but they didn't really comment on, that we kind of moved a different thing real quick. Mm-hmm. What do they think about the concept of Gentiles being grafted in? I'm assuming they reject it, right? Yeah, that's a good question. I've never asked them that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to because they're all, see what they like to do is lead the conversation to where they wanted to go with the script that they've been trained in. 
And if you deviate out of it, they don't know what to do, and they want to go back onto their script. So that's all they do. So if I were to ask them about that, which I haven't talked to any for quite a while, but I'd like to be able to get in and uh, start talking to them and ask. Mm-hmm. You know. But I don't know what they're going to say about that. I think, I think you talked to uh, one of the uh, one of them, I think about a month ago. I think it was about okay. that. You know, maybe, maybe. maybe you could talk to him again. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I go to uh, different uh, different social places. One of them is uh, Clubhouse, and it's a phone thing, and there's a lot of uh, BHI there. So they get in, and, and when I go in, they know me, and so generally they, they kind of mock, and they'll say, man, we got a question for you. And what they want to do is have only their script and they know what kind of things to ask and i'll say i don't know i've asserted that that particular thing in 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 depth in that context that's what i tell them a lot as i'm taking notes because what i'm going to do is go study those objections i'll say look hold it so in this verse you're saying that this verse means you know whatever it is and they'll say yes i go okay let me write it down because they don't realize they're helping me because then what i can do later is just say well i'll go back read the context put their uh, comment in and and analyze it according to the comment and then i do a response and so when they ask me again i've got a, a ready-made response from studying right there mm-hmm. that's what i'll do that's so for any kind of religion that's what i do all the time i have outlines and my outlines on um BHI are very small. It's only 10 pages of material. Normally my outlines are 50, 60, 100, 200 pages. But this is just 10 because wow. it's, it's new. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, do they, so the ones that we're, we're talking to, they use the, I think it was called the apoc- Apothecary and the King Apocrypha. James Version. Apocrypha. Apocrypha. Yeah. Is that normal yeah. for them to use those two yes. things? Yes, uh, they like the King James, uh, but they just do. And the apocryphal books, they'll, sometimes I'll use those. Different groups will recognize them, and so they'll, they'll generally use those. Yep. What, so, what is the apocrypha? Apocryphal books are books written, they're intertestamental books. So written before uh, the book, of, the first book of the New Testament was was penned, and before Jesus was born, but after the book of Malachi. So it's about a four hundred year period, and the inter, they're called intertestamental, or pseudepigraphal. They're different different uh, books. That's what it's, that's what it is. Okay. okay. And they like to say that they're inspired. They're not inspired. No, they're not. They're not inspired. Okay. And I have ways of dealing with that as well. So, you know, there, there's ways I can talk about why, how Jesus, uh, what Jesus said about the scriptures and uh, the law of the prophets in the Psalms and Psalm in uh, Luke 24, 45, he says uh, that, that he t- taught them everything that was about him in the law of prophet and Psalms. Well, why do he exclude the apocryphal books? And also in, I think it's uh, Luke eleven fifty one, he says from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, you know, be held against this generation. Well, in the Old Testament uh, arrangement of the blood of Abel and the blood of Zechariah deals with uh, the first and last books of the, the uh, Old Testament as they were arranged at that time. So he was also excluding the apocryphal books there as well. Okay? Okay. And 
guess the last note I had, I mean, they're, sure. they're, they talked about a lot. It was hard to remember everything. It was like information mm-hmm. overload. I have a bad memory. <laughs> so, no, but, it's okay. Um, you write it down. You write it down. So I had the same problem. Yeah. I got like seven paragraphs I wrote from it for an hour-long conversation. Um, so one of them, I talked about Romans 5.18 with him about the King James, about how the King James adds to the um, what the autographs say. And yep. uh, take a guess of what their, what their response was. Uh, probably something like the King James is better than the Greek or something like that. Or you know what you're talking about. You're a jerk. You're just an Edomite fool or something like that. You're a child of the devil. You know, that kind of stuff. What would they say? Nope. No? Nope. They said that sometimes there's just issues with translations and sometimes things can't be translated. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, actually. It's a good response. But to say, at that point, I would have said, well, then let me help you. Let's go into it, and I'll show you. And I'll show you exactly what's yeah, yeah. going on and why the King James got it wrong. Because the King James did get it wrong in Romans 5.18. Yeah. blew it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even want to go, go that route because I'm not, I don't have a super good, I don't, I, I don't have enough found, a strong enough foundation to carry the uh, discussion yet. So. You go and you, was, on your computer... On your computer, you get an outline going, and you take notes. Call it your ignorance mm-hmm. uh, outline. Your ignorance outline <laughs> is comprised of the things you don't know. I used to have what I called an ignorance mm-hmm. notebook. And I literally was wondering, am I ever going to fill this thing up? Now I have two or three feet worth of notebooks. <laughs> it's just it's a lot to learn. All right? All right, buddy, there's a break. we got to right. go. So God bless. <laughs> okay, man, we'll talk to you later. You did. All right. Hey, folks, you want to give me a call? We have three open lines, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get to Chris from Georgia. Chris, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. No problem, man. What do you got, buddy? Okay. um, I'm just wanting to know real real quick uh, what your uh, advice or opinion is about divorce and remarriage as pertaining to what uh, Christ said in Matthew chapter 19, when he said, you know, if a man puts away his wife except for the cause of adultery and marries another, he commits adultery and causes her to commit adultery. Just I don't know what you, yeah. uh, your teaching is on that. That's what he says. There's no, there's yeah. Nothing to and, add. And see, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And see, the reason I ask is because there's so much divorce in the church today. I mean, does that mean that people that's been married and or divorced and remarried does that mean they're living in open adultery if if they've divorced for any other reason yeah yeah we can make a case for that uh i mean there's just so much of it i mean so i mean Mm -hmm. do they need to repent of that by like getting divorced or i mean how would the lord look at that well here's a problem okay so just so you know there's two grounds for divorce in the bible uh adultery sexual uh immorality okay and abandonment right. and abandonment is in first Corinthians 715 
All right, so let's say there's a couple and they're not Christians and they get married and then they get divorced because they don't like each other. That's it. That's wow. the only reason. No adultery. They just don't like each other. And they get divorced. And then they become Christians, both of them. Now, wow. what, what happens? Are they free to marry somebody else? Well, at that point, no. each person should go to the elders and say, this is it. And then, well, they were unbelievers at the time. They were in sin when they did this. Now they're new creatures in Christ. I would say, generically speaking, that they could go get married. Now there's some there's debate about this, okay? But I remember in seminary, we talked about these kind of things, and I, I loved the idea of the grace of God being uh, given in situations like this. All right, now let's up it up a little bit and say, well, let's say a couple is going to church, and uh, they're devout, they love the Lord, and uh, they just can't get along, and they just learn to hate each other. When they've tried, they've prayed, they've gone to counseling, let's just say this is the case. So they have options at this point. One would be to live separately. Not that it's the best solution, but they live separately and they don't get a divorce. And they're stuck for the rest of their life this way. That's an option. If they were to get divorced at this point, it's not for abandonment or adultery, then we could make the case that they were in sin. So let's say they do okay. this anyway. They just can't take it and that's it. They get divorced. Well, then what? Well, are they in good standing in the church? No, they're not. And so now they have to go to the elders. And what if they come to their senses later and repent? Should they get remarried? Well, they, they know it's not going to work. So should, maybe they should stay unmarried at this point for the rest of their lives. All right. right. Then there's the variable. Let's say they get divorced. One of them marries somebody else. And then that person who married somebody else comes to their senses and repents. You can't get, she, that person cannot divorce the new spouse because you made a new covenant and that's just where it is. And the previous spouse can't remarry that person. So let's say the, the one who, who did get remarried, the spouse dies and now that they're free again, they can get married. Well, because they married somebody else, the, the initial bond is not permitted. They can't get married again. Right. So, well, okay. And there's you know, just all kinds of variables like this. And yeah. And there are, go ahead. Well, I mean, I just I just see so much divorce in the church. I mean, I've never been married. I mean, this this doesn't really you know pertain. I've never been married uh, because I know it's like a lifelong commitment and it's a lot of sacrifice. But yeah, you know, I just see so much divorce in the church today, and people just so flippantly get divorced. And I'm talking about in the church, and and then they just go off and marry somebody else. And I'm like, well, the Lord says that they're an open sin, and they're they're not allowed to get married. And I know you know I know Christians right now that's been married and divorced like five times. And yeah. you know, I, I know of a, I know of a, a marriage right now that you know the the lady got divorced from her previous husband, and there was no adultery, there was no sexual immorality. She just said, "I'm not happy," and she's married to another guy right now. And you know, I tried to explain to her, like, "I'm okay. like, God will be looking at you. Like, you're living in open adultery." And well, here's the thing. You know, she, now, so so that she's in an adulterous relationship. Okay. Well, what if she comes to her senses and says, "Oh my goodness, what have I done?" Then she goes right. to the Lord and she seeks forgiveness and he cleanses. Then she's to stay right. in that marriage. You know, in, in her, her, things, her current marriage? Yes. Yeah, stay in that. Okay. Then, okay. So one of the things uh, that we discussed in seminary uh, was what do you do when you go to a culture, a tribe someplace, and a man has five wives? 
and they're no, none of the people in the tribes are Christians, and then they become Christians. Well, supposed to have one wife. What does he do? Do you divorce the, other, the four of them? No. The advice was uh, stay married. You can't have any more, and don't replace anyone that would die or whatever. And that's just the way it is. You know, the idea here is to stay faithful as possible in the situation that you're in. Wow. This is not a, not an easy topic. Okay, there are people no, who say. No, there are people, there are Christians who say, if you've been divorced for any reason, believer or unbeliever, you can never get married again. I don't agree with that. Okay, I don't agree with that. I think there's grace in yeah, all Yeah, I've heard that too. And, you know, um, I've heard that some churches won't let you be members if you've been divorced before. And, um, That's stupid. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus talking that uh, with the woman at the well, you know, she would had been with five and or been with four and was shacked up with the one that she was then there and well that was a perfect opportunity for christ to say you know you've been divorced and you, you know you can't come into the kingdom but he didn't do that but um but right. uh you've been, you've been really helpful matt and i really appreciate your uh, advice and everything all right and here's something else to think about uh, i'm trying to find it and it's been a while since i've had to quote it but god divorced israel and yes. i'm trying to find yes. the verses so he divorced israel for its spiritual adultery well, if divorce is automatically sinful, then that would be an accusation against God's character. So it isn't the case. So they need to reassess stuff. All right? They right. need to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that, right. that sure sheds a lot of light on the subject, and I really appreciate uh, your your uh, your uh, advice now. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Okay. okay thanks, man. God bless. All right. We've got a couple minutes before a break. I want to make a comment before we get to Monique. Uh on Second Timothy, but um, I've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years. I've been on both sides of the table, but uh, I've counseled thirty, best I can remember, thirty-six couples over uh, probably thirty years. And I, you know, I'm not a counselor, but you know it'll come up. And when I counsel marriage company couples uh, when they're having problems, about uh, thirty-three out of thirty-six times, it's the man who's the problem. This is just a fact. What I've seen. And there, a lot of times they were on the verge of divorce, and I asked them the basic questions. Are you Christians? Yes. Are you dedicated to the Lord? Yes. Have you committed adultery? No. That's it. We're going to work it out. That's, that's your options. Work it out. Well, I don't like it. Don't want to hear it. You know, I'm, I'm a lot nicer when I say it, but that's what it comes down to. So, no, I'm sorry. It's just not what it is. You have to work it out. You have to. And here's how you do it. And I teach them. And the average session I have uh, with people on this is three hours because it takes a lot of work. And then we go for weeks, and then once a week, they have homework, they have the whole thing, and marriages are saved. You have to be biblically minded, and Christians don't have that excuse to not, simply because they don't like each other. It doesn't work. We'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get to Monique from North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hear you fine. Okay. First of all, God God bless you this evening. Um, two questions and well, one question really, yes, sir, and two scriptures. So just bear with me. I'll tell you the scriptures first. The 
They're coming out of Second Timothy, twenty、uh, four through twenty six, pretty much. Second Timothy two, yes, Lord's bond、uh-huh. servant. Uh huh. Yep. Yes. Yeah, And Jude, of course, is just one thing. Jude twenty two through twenty four. And、okay. my question is: Is this kind of you have to just listen?、Um, assuming the the, the talker. That speaking to the person is, that who's opposing themselves is indeed a brother or sister and sincere is, for lack of a, for you know, without to just one line it sarcasm. I, I've also had some questions about sarcasm. Of course, there's ranges, but with sarcasm or to go to the higher extent, the more obvious extent, maybe in that conversation referring to the person as moron or stupid. What, what, Uh-huh. What's, what's your question? I don't understand what your question is. Yeah,、uh, this happens all the time. That's why I started out. Okay, the question is: in the application of the two scriptures I mentioned, Second、uh, Timothy, the, you know, and the Jude twenty-two through twenty-four, and then what I said next is the question is going to be: does this? And I said you're going to have to kind of listen to this part. Behavior, I should say, fly in the face. Of this instruction from the Lord,、um, I don't、Which、know if you read it, or I know you know what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know those verses. Which behavior? Okay, that's what I'm getting to. So, as I said before, for example, a broader example would be just sarcasm in general. But to be very pointed, say that a Christian brother or sister is talking to someone who opposes themselves, and in the midst of that conversation, for whatever reason, the other person is wrong or saying something. Silly or anti-scripture、uh, is sarcasm, and that's why it's kind of iffy because you can be nice with sarcasm, I guess. But more pointedly, calling them, you know, their them <laughs> worse, stupid, or you know, saying your your idea is just ridiculous. Not you're wrong. So you're asking you're asking if insulting people is biblical? No, ab- absolutely. Why I set it up that way. When you are dealing with a person who opposes themselves, and in wait, that wait, wait dealing, wait a second, doesn't make sense. They, impo- com- they they oppose themselves. Okay, let let me read the scripture. So Second no, Timothy, well, I'm trying to answer your question that you just asked. Second Timothy、uh, two went in、uh, now lost it twenty、uh, four. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone. Able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. So I could stop there and say, with gentleness, is that not in opposition to sarcasm or flat out you're being stupid? Or I'm just giving examples of what people say. You know, you're being a moron or your idea is absolutely stupid. And I emphasize, not it's wrong, because of course if they are not in agreement with scripture, they are wrong.、Okay. Okay, you so see, you see, you want to know if someone's insulting. That's what it comes down to. It's a broad category of insult, and there's different subcategories within it. Okay, sarcasm can be or cannot be depending on the context. But you're talking about which is、insult. what I said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, that's why it was very pointed because you know insult could also be broad.、Uh, you could insult someone very sarcastically, and you can do it very directly. I say so, calling them stupid is not an indirect 
sarcasm. I've called people. I've called people stupid when, when I thought it was appropriate in in chat rooms. Okay, so you just answered. Okay, when that answers the, my question. What, but hold go on, ahead. let me explain a little. You see, I'm there's saying, different. Go ahead. Um, there's different contexts and different reasons to say different things, and so it just mm-hmm. depends on on how long you've been discussing, how deep of a conversation, how someone is being, and how difficult they might be, and what you think is necessary at that time. Okay, so that does answer my question. So not to misunderstand you and take away not what you're saying. To paraphrase, that is, it basically depends on how the other person is carrying on, how they are carrying themselves. There's a yes and no to that. Because normally speaking, we're to be as gentle as possible and not be insulting. But I do believe that there are times when it's appropriate, just as Jesus called people whitewashed sepulchers and their father the devil. So what Paul is talking about in Second Timothy two twenty four through twenty six, and also in Colossians four verses five and six, the general principle of being kind and patient with people, which is what I am with a great many people. But sometimes I think it's appropriate to say, I'm sorry, you're just being per- perfect, uh, purposely stupid on this, or you're being obstreperous, or you're being puerile, and you need to, to step up at the plate here and be more mature in your discussions, or control yourself. And I've done that. It just depends on the situation, okay? Okay, and that, that is why I wanted to, to hear you out on that. So that, that is, that's why I wanted to hear you out. That is how you are, Apply, you're applying those scriptures based on what you just said. I, I got you. And then, and then uh, again, the 22 through 24, because it does say, and on some having compassion, making a difference, and others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And my, and that, this is why I wanted to ask. And I am a believer, by the way, so it would be very odd for us to be at odds. Um, but he, he says, save other, and others save with fear. Uh, pulling them out of the fire. So I, I was curious about that both because I've always been, as far as I like to understand where my other brothers and sisters are coming from, so as not to say, my gosh, you're not following that scripture. I would like to hear where they're coming from if they think they are, and, and this is where, okay, so so I got my answer there. I, I would, you know what, no, I won't even say that. Um, thank you. That That's what I wanted. Your your understanding of the application of those scriptures in in your speaking to people who you do many of course that do oppose themselves and uh that is the answer just plain and simple okay well good so i appreciate you i appreciate you letting me know where you're coming from with that all right well thanks for calling thanks okay. yes sir have a good one all right all right so, uh, if you want to give me a call, we have wide open lines, 877-207-2276. And uh, just to take a little bit of a lead off of that for the next couple of minutes before the break, is uh, I do have a reputation on the online for being, for the most part, very patient with people. And it's taken me years to work that because there are some people online who are obstreperous, puerile, uh, base, ba- banal, um, recalcitrant. And uh, so I have developed uh, in 
in response to some of that, I've developed what I call the slictionary, where people are guilty of stupidification or um, moronification and various things. Because dealing with various people over the years, let's just say that it can become quite frustrating to deal with various individuals. and uh, particularly with the unbelievers. So generally what I'll do is um, I'll just keep quiet, let them say what they're going to say, and then I'll just ask them if it's okay if I continue. I've done this a lot with uh, with atheists and the obstreperous t- types. Obstreperous means uh, boisterously recalcitrant. So uh, I will sometimes say to people who interrupt me constantly in chat rooms, I'll, I'll just, they interrupt me, I just wait or done and say do you mind if I finish my questions without or answer your question without being uh, interrupted well if you say this and thank you and I say well do you mind if I just finish my questions have you finished my answers to your questions and then you can respond well you see I'm not gonna let you talk like so you're not gonna agree to that no okay then I won't talk to you and you know, see anybody else and that's how I handle a lot of it and if they continually interrupt I just say we're done talking I, and I ask them I say look why do you ask me a question I go to answer it then you stop me from answering it I don't understand that why did why would you do that and uh, so I'll do that a lot and uh, try and get people to uh, participate in a civil uh, non puerile uh, conversation so I'm not trying to be obsequious with them, but I am trying to be uh, proper. Okay. So there's a bunch of words and all that stuff. I like, kind of like that. Uh, so humbled clay says when I use big words to define big words, it's kind of redundant. So uh, I like to. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm a sesquipedalian. I like big words. That's what that means. And uh, one of my favorite words is pentacontemporaneous. Pentacontemporaneous. Does anybody know what that means? because it's in the penumbra of time. I'll get into that some other time if you want. I love that stuff. Hey, we have wide open lines. Why don't you give me a call? And uh, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Rodney, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. We have nobody waiting right now. So often when that does happen, what I will do is go to my emails. And uh, people like to email me questions and comments. So uh, let's see, radio question that just, just came in from Joanne. Matt, when the Bible mentions all of Israel shall be saved, Romans 11, 26, is that spiritual Israel and nation of Israel? That's a good question. I don't know. But the theories that get around that are um, that it's uh, anywhere from national Israel in the country and that God will bless them. Uh, that's one option. And the other one is that it's the the true people of true Israel who are the true believers in you know, the elect will all be saved. So that's uh, that's another thing. And then there's another one. First uh, Timothy four ten says uh, all, Jesus is a savior of all men. And does that refute the idea that uh, of limited atonement, which is the doctrine that uh, Jesus only died for the elect, only bore the sin of the elect? So if he's a savior of all men, especially those who believe, First Timothy four ten, and that verse was brought up to me um, uh, last night, I think it was. I was in some, I forgot where. Anyway, 
And I just asked the question. I said, uh, is he the savior of those who are damned? No response. Because uh, people are going to think through what they're saying. If he's a savior of all men, what does the word all mean there? Does it mean every individual who's ever lived and he's their savior? Well, that can't be the case because uh, he didn't save the ones who are damned. So how's he the savior of all men? Does all men there mean all people groups? Well, it would seem to be the case because Matthew fifteen twenty four, Jesus says he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so all can mean all people groups. So when people, they throw these verses out the way they do, and they, they think they are uh, GameStop's editors. Oh, I just proved you wrong. Well, let's ask some questions. And then usually they can't answer the questions. And I find a lot of times that um, people who are against whatever theological perspective, they tend to act uh, quickly and vociferously. That means uh, you know, with a lot of verbiage, a lot of talk, a lot of, uh, of invectives, which means uh, you know, negative things, let's just say. So that's, that tells me that they've not really studied the issues and they're just emotionally reacting. And it's unfortunate. Let's get to Chris from North Carolina. Chris, welcome. You're on the air. Matt, what's going on? What's shaking bacon? Look, I called you the other day, and um, Matt, I caught the tail end. I was coming out of the grocery store, and I caught the tail end of your um, explanation to the caller about how the King James Version got the Romans 8 through 10 mistranslated. No, Romans 5.18. Romans 5.18, yeah. Okay, 5.18, my bad. Right. Um, right. So, what can can you give me the Reader's Digest version of that, sure. please? Sure. Uh, I'll have to give you the Greek and then explain something. And we've got enough time to do that. You're the only caller. So, I'll go through this and explain what's going on and why the King James got it wrong. And uh, this particular verse I was reading in the NASB. And its translation is different than the other ones. And it caused me to go look. And having had Greek, I was able to go look at the Greek. Long story short, here we go. What it literally says in the Greek is two sentences joined by a conjunction. But the thing is, in the two sentences, there's no verb. And this is what's really interesting. So we generally speaking in English, we always have a verb in a sentence. You know, I went to the store. The word went is a verb. You know, I ate the hamburger. Ate is the verb. And someone says, uh, so did you eat that hamburger? You go, yeah. Well, it's a response without a verb. And it's an affirmation. Well, generally, statements have verbs. And uh, we can get around that sometimes in English as well. But nevertheless, in Greek, what it says is sentence A and sentence B. And it says this in Greek. So then, as through one transgression condemnation to all men so it's there's no verb so then as through one transgression condemnation to all men even so through one act of righteousness justification of life to all men so that's what it literally says in the Greek so it has two sentences sentence a and sentence B 
And sentence B says, so also, or even so. So sentence B is taking its lead from sentence A. So it says, sentence A, through one transgression, condemnation to all men. So also, through one act of righteousness, justification of life to all men. So sentence B is taking its lead, or its structure, or its uh, form, from the previous verse. This is very critical. Now, what do we do with this? Because we don't have uh, a verb there, so we've got to put a verb in there. So remember, sentence A and sentence B are equal, but they're equal except differently. What both are saying is through one act, there was a result, there was a, a certain effect. Through one transgression, condemnation to all, through Jesus' sacrifice, one act of righteousness, justification of life to all. So each one, sentence A is talking about Adam and sentence B is talking about Jesus. Through Adam's sin, condemnation to all. Through Jesus' sacrifice, justification of life to all. That's what's going on in it. Well, wait a minute. So we got a problem. So what the King James has done and other some other versions have done is they, instead of letting a govern B, they let B govern A. They reverse it. Because it says the justification of life to all. Well, we can't have it be that everyone's justified because justification means salvation. So they interpret the word all to mean every individual who's ever lived. That's their first mistake. They shouldn't do that. Just let the text speak. So what they'll do is, since they presuppose that justification of life to all men now, of course, not everybody's saved. We know that because people go to hell. You know, Mark three twenty nine, Matthew twenty five forty six. Okay, so what they do is they say, well, sentence B can't mean that everyone is saved. So now we have to look at sentence A and soften sentence A in light of B. That's the exegetical mistake that the King James uh, writers did, the translators did. Because the reason is, you look at sentence A. It says, through one transgression, that's Adam's sin, condemnation to all men. Make a lot of noise there, buddy. Make a lot of noise. Okay, make a lot of noise. I'm going to have to mute you. Matt, I'm sorry. I'm in the car wash. Hang on. I'm going to mute it and listen to you. In the car wash. Okay. All right. And so, um, through one transgression, the right verb is, there resulted condemnation to all we know that's true because in the next verse it says through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners it's the aorist active indicative i can get into that but what it means is is that this, it's an actual occurrence everyone was made sinners by what adam did so the, the proper verb is the resultant that that was it as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men that's the proper verb but then you got to drop it down into sentence b but that means then through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Justification of life means they're all saved. Well, all can't be all or justification. So they, what they did was, what the King James did was this, to get around this problem. I'll explain why they made a mistake and they don't understand the text. It says in the King James, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of the one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life well the free gift is not there 
they completely added it in and changed the meaning of the text because they let B govern A. It's supposed to be A govern B. Let it let the Bible speak for what it says and if your understanding of the text doesn't agree with what you think it actually says then you need to change so here's the answer the best translation is the NESB so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to everybody that's a fact even so in like manner through an act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men well all men are not saved you're right if all means every individual but wait a minute you see, Paul does this. I've actually thought about writing a paper on this. Where, if you go to verse 15, there's a phrase, the many. or uh, uh, Yeah, look at this, the many. Check this out. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. He does this again where the many, the phrase, the many, has two different meanings in the same sentence, just like the word all has two different meanings in the same sentence in Romans 5.18, because he's thinking theology. He's thinking of the representation of Adam and the representation of Jesus. It's implicit in the text. Adam is the first uh, one who represented everybody, but Jesus represented his people, not every individual because the Father gave to the Son the elect. Ephesians 1, 4, and Jesus came to redeem the elect. He says, all the Father gives me will come to me. John six thirty seven. He says, I lay my life down for the sheep. John uh, ten fifteen. So he's coming for the ones that are his. And that second all is all that the Father's given him. Then when you look at it, it, it makes perfect sense. Well, furthermore, if you go to 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two. It says, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all should be made alive. So in Christ is a term of federal headship where he is the representative. And it says, in Christ all will be made alive. That all can only be those who are in Christ, who are saved. Furthermore, and I'm going to go through this kind of quickly because we're a little bit running out of time. When you go to Second Corinthians 5.14, something very interesting is said there. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. That verse is critical. People say, well, he died for all. That means everybody. But then it says, therefore all died. If you do research on the phrase, all died, or dying with Christ, you'll find out that only the believers are the ones who have died with Christ. You can go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. You can go to John, excuse me, Romans uh, 6, um, 6, Romans 6, 8. Those are three places. We have died with Christ. We have been made to die to the law through the person of Christ. We've died with him. So whenever it talks about anybody dying in relationship to Christ, it's only the believers. We would say in the broader scope, only the elect. Because they become the believers, because God grants to the elect faith, Philippians 1, 29. That faith is in Christ, John six twenty nine. So if it says he died for all, and the all are the ones given to him, therefore all died, it makes perfect sense. If it says, therefore one died for all, it means every individual who ever lived, therefore every individual who ever lived died in Christ. Well, that can't work theologically. 
So we go back to Romans 5.18, we see that Paul is using the word all differently than we do. And that's why the King James gets Romans 5.18 wrong and the NASB gets it right. There you go. May the Lord bless you. By His grace, we'll be back on the air tomorrow. We'll talk to you then, everybody. God bless. Talk to you later. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.